Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Filmmakers draw inspiration from all sorts of places, but not all of them are positive. Whether it's a producer naming a bad guy after a vocal movie critic, or a director modeling their main villain on someone they hate for real, some of cinema's most memorable antagonists were created from a place of pure spite. I'm Scott from WhatCulture.com, and these are eight movie villains created out of spite. Number eight, the Ebor Sisk, Willow. The original idea for 1988's Willow came from the mind of Star Wars creator George Lucas, who envisioned all the movie's strange fantasy creatures and thus had the responsibility of naming each one. One of the monsters he came up with was the Ebor Sisk, a slimy, two-headed beast that Willow accidentally creates towards the end of the film. At face value, the Ebor Sisk just seems like a totally made-up word with no real meaning behind it, but in reality, Lucas just wasn't a fan of legendary film critics Gene Siskel and Roger Ebert, as they'd given some of his previous efforts a hard time. In response, Lucas combined their names and created the Ebor Sisk as a middle finger to this difficult-to-please duo. He also did the same with General Kale, another villain in the movie who was named after film critic Pauline Kale. Siskel and Ebert would give Willow two thumbs down in a joint review, though it was far from the first time they'd appear in movies as villains. Though not outright baddies, Siskel and Ebert were also unflatteringly featured in 1998's Godzilla as Mayor Ebert and Yes Man Jean in tow. Number 7. Gaston Beauty and the Beast. Though he's now synonymous with the Beauty and the Beast story, the character of Gaston didn't actually exist in the original fairy tale. He was created by Disney for the studio's animated adaptation in 1991, with the filmmakers feeling that the story needed a proper out-and-out villain. From here, Gaston was born, a cocky, muscular, boneheaded gym bro who doesn't really care about anyone but himself and his pecs. Unfortunately for screenwriter Linda Wolverton, though, the type of arrogance displayed by Gaston was something she'd experienced in her personal life, drawing on this when creating the character. There's tinges of guys I used to date, she told the LA Times, indicating that Gaston was intended as something of a mockery of various hubristic ex-boyfriends. Number 6. Michael Moore Team America, World Police Though pretty much every celebrity who appears in 2004's Team America World Police is depicted in an unflattering way, the movie's takedown of documentary filmmaker Michael Moore feels much more mean-spirited and personal. And, well, that's because it was. Moore is portrayed as an overweight moron who always has hot dogs or pizza in his hands. He also calls Team America fascists, blows up their base in a suicide bomb attack, and is later referred to as a giant socialist weasel. It's scathing stuff, and this harsh portrayal was created purely because Team America writer 
years, Matt Stone and Trey Parker had a very specific beef with the real-life Moore. It stemmed from his Oscar-winning documentary Bowling for Columbine, where Stone was quoted saying, We have a very specific beef with Michael Moore. I did an interview with him, and he didn't mischaracterize me or anything I said in Bowling for Columbine, but what he did do was put this cartoon right after me that made it look like we did that cartoon. Stone heavily disliked the use of this cartoon, titled A Brief History of the United States of America, as it was very much modeled on South Park style and came across as being endorsed or created by him, though Stone himself had nothing to do with the animation. Number 5. Antoine. Free Guy. Taika Waititi's bonkers performance in Free Guy was a highlight in a very funny movie, with his character Antoine, the head of a video game company, clearly being designed to poke fun at money-grubbing studio executives who are allergic to originality. Perhaps unsurprisingly, this type of executive was something that director-slash-producer Sean Levy was all too familiar with, having spent the last couple of decades working under major studios like Disney and Fox. Not to mention, anyone who's been a regular gamer for the last 10 years or so has seen this approach in spades. For Levy though, rather than bottling up these frustrations, he decided to channel them into the creation of Antoine with the filmmaker revealing that Free Guy's villain was largely inspired by a specific unnamed studio executive who had annoyed him in the past. To quote, I just thought it was funny because early on an executive who I won't name said, okay, so this movie Free Guy, what's it based on? And we were like, nothing. And the executive is like, okay, you say nothing, but like, it's not a sequel, it's not based on a comic book or a graphic novel? What? Like, no, nothing. New ideas. Like, so it's a movie based on nothing? I'm like, yeah, based on creative originality. And it was just such a foreign concept to this suit that I wrote most of that dialogue for Taika Waititi. Number four, General Saris. Galaxy Quest. Turns out George Lucas isn't the only Hollywood big shot who takes film criticism extremely personally. The creators of the 1999 sci-fi comedy Galaxy Quest did so as well, resulting in another villain created as a spiteful F.U. to a critic. The critic in question was Andrew Saris, who actually co-founded the National Society of Film Critics. In other words, he was one of the most prominent voices in this space, so getting a positive review from him was a pretty major deal. However, for his work in the 1984 sports film The Natural, producer Mark Johnson definitely didn't get a positive review. Saris called it a pathetic strikeout, a bruising remark that Johnson remembered when he went on to produce Galaxy Quest. Here, he decided to name the villain of the piece, an ugly alien seeking the Omega-13 superweapon, after Saris, deciding to flat out call him General Saris. Johnson played coy when asked about this himself, but you don't exactly need to be planning a planetary takeover to put these pieces together. Number 3. Biff Tannen Back to the Future Actor Thomas Wilson was so effective as high school thug Biff Tannen in 1984's Back to the Future, you'd be forgiven for thinking he did a fair bit of bullying during his own high school days. And if you think that, you aren't a million miles away from the truth. Wilson did draw on personal bullying experiences in order to craft his iconic villainous turn, but sadly, these were experiences where he was on the receiving end of the misery. In an interview with The Hollywood Reporter, Wilson explained that he was constantly shoved around by bullies during his childhood, and as a result, he knew how they operated. Clearly harboring a lot of bitterness towards bullies, he decided to channel that into his performance as Biff, creating one of the most famous bad guy turns of all time. Another Back to the Future example is Biff's turn as a Trump-esque billionaire riding his own fortune to the top in the second movie, which, after finally being revealed by writer Bob Gale in 2017, was always based on the former president. Number 2. Lord Farquaad Shrek 
One of the reasons Shrek has endured is because it works as a fun, harmless movie for kids, yet it also contains a bunch of wink-wink, nudge-nudge jokes that only adults will understand. The origins of Farquaad's character then can actually be traced back to a 1990s feud between studio executives Jeffrey Katzenberg and Michael Eisner. They both worked at Disney at the time, with Eisner serving as Katzenberg's superior. However, tensions arose between the pair when Katzenberg was denied a promotion, which eventually resulted in him leaving the company and founding DreamWorks in 1994. This is where Shrek's pint-sized baddie comes in. Still pretty pissed at Eisner, Katzenberg decided to take a shot at his former boss when producing the animated mega-hit, creating Farquaad as a mockery of him. A stunted, short-tempered, ruthless ruler of a fairy tale empire, a direct parallel to Eisner's reign over Disney. Furthermore, Eisner and Farquaad even look a little similar, and just to make it clear that Farquaad was meant to be one massive insult, well, just say that name fast and you'll get something I can't say on YouTube. And number one, Gothmog. The Lord of the Rings. You wouldn't expect an orc from the Lord of the Rings to have any sort of tie with our real world, but one particular orc featured in Peter Jackson's original trilogy has a bizarre origin, linked to a certain disgraced movie industry POS. While appearing on Dax Shepard's Armchair Expert podcast, Frodo himself, Elijah Wood, explained that the design of this orc, widely assumed already to be Gothmog, the brutal orc leader who was first introduced in Return of the King, was based on Harvey Weinstein the former Hollywood producer who was sentenced to 23 years in prison following the exposure of disgusting predatory sexual behavior. To quote Elijah, one of the orc masks, and I remember this vividly, was designed to look like Harvey Weinstein as a sort of F.U. I think that it's okay to talk about now, the guy is effing incarcerated, F him. See, before Jackson's trilogy was produced over at New Line Cinema, Weinstein's company Miramax came close to sealing the deal. However, when Weinstein made some strict demands, including giving Jackson just a single movie to adapt the books and then capping the budget at $75 million, a frustrated Jackson leaked the script instead, only to catch the attention of New Line's founder, Bob Shea. This is clearly why someone on the production team, maybe even Jackson himself, decided to immortalize Weinstein as an ugly beast of an orc. Perhaps the sweetest revenge, though, is that the trilogy won a boatload of Oscars and grossed billions of dollars worldwide. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.